we are live. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on air. I'm your host for this Hangout, David Cole. I'm with NextMap. I'm also a resident at a wonderful organization in San Francisco called Many Labs, which is a uh, workspace dedicated to open tools and open science. And I'm thrilled to be here for this Hangout. This Hangout connects to a larger project at Educator Innovator, which is the uh, supporting and sponsoring platform called Letters to the Next President 2.0. It's referred to as L2P, and L2P is an initiative that empowers young people ages 13 to 18 to voice their opinions and ideas on the issues that matter to them in the coming election. Um, we'll be mentioning this URL throughout, so let me start here with that information, www.letters2president.org, with the two as a numeral. So it's letters number two, president.org. It's a wonderful content uh, management and sharing platform that's been put together by the National Writing Project and KQED uh, to support this year's election. It was launched in 2008 uh, as a, in its first iteration as it would involve an integration with Google Docs. This year's version is bigger, better, faster, smoother, more fun. And so I encourage you all to check it out and think about doing these kinds of projects with your students and getting your students published in this on this wonderful website. It's really great. So letters to president.org. Um, the team at Educator Innovator have been doing a series of these webinars related to topics and issues that come up when we think about writing letters to the next president. And uh, today we're building on that idea with our intro to circuitry webinar series. This is part two of three. And we're going to pick up um, where we were last week when we started to talk about using paper and electronics to support multiple literacies and creative learning. This is a, uh, we've been doing um, with NextMap a 21st century notebooking project which puts circuitry into notebooks. And this is a paper circuitry project that uses that practice and those materials to explore literacy in the context of civic engagement. So thank you for joining us here today. We'll have more to say about the scope of the series. We're right in number two. We've got another one to go. And a special thanks to our guests for joining us. Um, they were with us last week. They're with us this week. Uh, several of them will be with us two weeks from now. And so for those of you who are watching the Hangout Live, we encourage you to post thoughts and ideas and questions through the QA feature that's embedded in the video player. Or you can tweet out questions and follow along using the hashtag uh, 2 next prez. So hashtag number 2, next prez, P-R-E-Z. And so we'll be following that hashtag as we go. For those of you who weren't able to join us last week, we'll be doing some brief introductions. And so let's get to those briefly, and then we'll come back and recap where we were and where we're going today. So on my screen, it begins on the left with Anna Marie Warren. So do you want to start, Anna Marie, and give a short introduction of who you are, where you are, and what you teach? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Anna Marie, and I teach uh, senior English, English 4, in Waxahachie, Texas, at Waxahachie High School. And I'm also uh, teaching dual credit, and I teach um, as adjunct at Navarro College. So um, I've been doing this for 11 years now, and um, love every minute of it. I have a PBL background. And um, I'm so excited about this project that we're doing because I'm kind of a novice at it, and so I'm I'm learning, and and um, sometimes the students show me what to do, so it's exciting. Thank you, Anna Marie, and um, Kate. If you want to give us an intro of who you are, where you are, and how you got here. Absolutely. Um, I'm Kate Hodges. I'm in Ohio. I teach at Oak Hills High School, Honors English One and English Three. Um, my journey into paper circuitry was messy but fantastic. Um, I did the Frank Effect last year with my students where they went through paper circuits and experienced kind of what it was like to be Victor Frankenstein. Um, I am so excited for what paper circuitry can do in my classroom, especially with project-based learning, and so excited to be here with all you guys. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. And uh, Molly, do you want to give us the same sort of intro? I forgot. I was muted. I'm sorry. Um, I'm Molly Adams, and I'm in Waxahachie, Texas also. I work at Waxahachie High School, and I teach, this year I'm teaching 10th grade. Um, I have a background in teaching dual credit. I've taught grades 9 through 12. I've taught in STEM schools um, at a new tech, at an early college high school, and have a PBL background also. And I've been working with the Hack Your Notebook initiative since 2014 um, with David and um, some other people and um, I'm also a 
a National Writing Project teacher consultant affiliated with the North Star of Texas Writing Project in, out of Denton in Texas. And so um, I have tried several kind of iterations of, of how to use the materials in the classroom and how to make them connect with humanities. And Anna Marie is my very good friend, and um, we have been across the building from each other and now we're down the hall from each other and we like to work on stuff together so um, it's really exciting to be able to work on a project like this with friends too. Great, thanks a lot. Uh, Janine, you want to give an intro of, of, of uh, your uh, professional background, how you got to this work and well, then we'll go from there. Sure, um, uh, right at the moment I'm an adjunct, adjunct faculty with Teachers College and a doctoral student and before I was um, teaching teachers I was working with children, sixth grade on up to um, high school, and doing a pre-engineering course, a science of energy course, and that's where I learned about electronics and robotics and environmental technology, and uh, really became interested in how to make um, uh, engineering accessible to teachers, because I was a poor teacher myself, without a budget. And so um, that's what led me to the paper circuitry. Uh, experience, experiencing it myself and then wanting to learn more about it and then wanting to bring it back to the classroom and then now um, bringing it to other teachers and in, in all, all over the place it seems like now. Uh, so I've enjoyed doing workshops with NextMap and uh, in the STEM classes that I've had, uh, classes that are upcoming and I'm always showing teachers how to try to layer um, uh, more content that's integrated from STEM into their classes and that's what led me to become more interested in what teachers are doing outside of uh, engineering and and see if we can't bring that in and I know there's kind of a barrier or fear of being able to learn how to do that and so I'm kind of interested in how all of you teachers have taught yourself or learned to get past that point so that we can get it back to the kids or getting into the kids and they can experience the same thing. So that's what I'm interested in. And hopefully through these webinars, I'm, I'm hoping that other teachers can say, gee, if they did that, maybe I can do that too. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, for people listening for the first time, and if you've been following along, you have a sense of it, these teachers on this call have a remarkable level of expertise and experience and curiosity and nerve, I will say, as mm -hmm. well for sort of exploring and experimenting in spaces that are typically the domain of folks who do more heavy lifting in the engineering and the sciences. But the world is becoming integrated in every way. And the skills that you find in um, introductory and more complex electronics and the, the language and the literacies that we think of in traditional writing classes or traditional humanities classes belong together. STEAM learning is a simple expression of that. And so you're hearing um, some real experience, and this is a chance to talk about that. Uh, a bit of background on where we were, where we are today, and where we're going. We introduced ourselves last week. You can see part one archived on uh, the Educator Innovator site. This is part two. Last week, we introduced a couple of different projects. Kate is doing a very unique multimodal project that she's done. Uh, she's documented with lesson plans and some resources. Uh, Molly and um, Anna Marie are working with a template worksheet that I developed initially for the U.S. Patent and Trade Office Teacher Institute in July, and we tuned it for a writing activity and worked together to customize that, and we're going to be working with that. So we have two very different types of projects. Janine and I are kind of hosting this together and that she and I have collaborated uh, going on two, three years now, and we're um, learning from these teachers and supporting them. And so we're participating as collaborators. Janine is going to lead the session in two weeks on advanced paper circuitry builds. I've got a little example here I'll show in my notebook. I don't have the whole thing built up, but um, we're talking about introducing, um, I'll just hold it up, you can see it, uh, AT-Tinies, which are mm -hmm. low-cost microcontrollers, uh, and we might explore this. This is actually a functional little robot that Janine designed for the paper circuit work. And we're going to begin talking about how we can integrate a build like that into this literacy project related to the election. So that's part three. Part one was an introduction of the projects. And part two today is really about the, the steps that these teachers are going to go through. So Kate and Janine are going to introduce us to kind of a deep dive on the project Kate has envisioned for her students. Um, the overarching themes for today are implementation strategies, troubleshooting, pacing, uh, things that you need to know as you go into this as a practitioner and things you need to anticipate and put yourselves in the position of the students. And both projects, Kate's and then Anna Marie's and Molly's, are very different in their structure and their materials and their approach. 
And so I hope that if you're listening in, this is a chance to think about the different ways you can integrate this stuff. So that's an overview. I'm going to get out of the way and hand it over to Kate and to Janine, who are going to walk us through the project that Kate's working on in Oak Hills. And then um, this is a free-for-all, so folks on the call, feel free to just jump in and ask questions of the speakers. And if you're online, um, go right ahead and send stuff to us through the, through the um, hashtag or um, in the Q&A. So, well, okay, great, um, David. So what I want to do is ask Kate um, to, for like a deeper explanation of how she began these project-based um, learning units uh, with details on Frankenstein. And she just uh, pointed out that she has a video on students teaching students that I'm going to go ahead and give it to you and, and, and cut you loose. Okay, well, um, I... I guess I should start with, I went to UC and they were very big on conceptual units and project-based, like I said, um, I think last time, but the big thing there was like an essential question. So when we're reading anything, we look at this deep-rooted essential question. And so with Frankenstein, it was kind of the moral dilemma of um, how do we create things and then make sure that we're following ethically what we need to do. Um, and so for Animal Farm, which is what we're reading with Letter to the President, the essential question was kind of power, right? So does power corrupt um, or do people corrupt the concept of power? And, and so with that being said, Letter to the President is this kind of moment where kids take on this very powerful role. And, um, and so I wanted them to experience what it was like to be this very authoritative person that was giving guidance and direction to the president. And um, through the circuits and the annotation of the circuits and the makey aspect, um, they're able to do that and kind of outline for the president not only what their argument is for their letter, but also how to connect with them through circuits. Hey, I have a question. I'm going to throw this out there. When you say connect with them through circuits, like mm -hmm. there's some logic in your head, creative or otherwise. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, yes, I guess. Um, so we talk about, obviously, you guys talk about these light bulb moments. And so, Janine, I'm going to try and, yeah. like, screen share with you guys for a minute. Um, so, okay, there we are. Um, so whenever we have these light bulb moments, I think everybody has this distinct moment that they very much remember. And when I see these in students, um, that's what really drives me to paper circuitry is what it does for project-based learning, but also this magical moment where um, where students really believe that they can do anything. And so um, in this PowerPoint, I also linked a video where a child is explaining her light bulb moment and kind of what happened. Um, and this is this moment right here in the circle. That was the moment that she had been working on a parallel for 15 minutes. She didn't want any help. And, uh, and she made it happen. And so I snagged a picture of her right when it happened. And so um, I think... Um, the biggest part for me when I was doing that is um, designing this is I wanted to share that moment. I wanted that to be a shared experience between writer and reader um, because the way that we read has changed so much. The way that we interact with media has changed so much. And it gives kids a little bit, um, a little bit more of that power that I want them to experience when we're reading Animal Farm and an understanding of the responsibility that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you. That's Absolutely. really great. Yeah, I think I think if you could put that in a bottle and send that around to a lot of teachers, they'd be really glad to have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so you had that, a video. Were you able to bring that up to share with us of uh, the two students reflecting? Um, I, I can. Do you want me to screen share the video? Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, this I think it's the, like two minutes. Yeah, this is yeah. this video is actually them reflecting on their experience. I do mm -hmm. have one. I was having issues for whatever reason uploading, but I'll be able to upload it by the end of the night. Of the the one, of, the girl is teaching the young man to okay. make the circuit. Hey, so. yeah. You should also think about pulling your audio jack out because I think when you play video, if we want to hear the audio of it, I good think, idea. Yeah.
Yeah, we can't hear it. No. Uh, looks like a good clip, too. Yeah, it's about two minutes, uh, and it's right after they had created that circuit. So we were thinking it'd be kind of cool to see. Each, uh, we couldn't quite hear it, Katie. Is that a URL? Is that a YouTube URL? Yes, it is, um, and it's on um, Lee, Dr. Lee Graham. I'm just trying to think. I I think I just tweeted it like within the last half an hour. Oh, okay. Um, so that might be something you can catch up with. Okay. So, uh, Kate, while you're you're working on that, um, I'm just going to go ahead and grab the uh, kind of ask you a little bit of it more. So um, when you are introducing the project, and that's kind of what we want to know, how do you implement um, and your strategies and your pacing? So you start off, what do you start off with? Like when you did your first unit, not, like what would you tell teachers who are wanting to do the same project now, the letters to the next president? Absolutely. Real quick, I want to say that video I tweeted out with the hashtag TwoNextPress, okay. so people will be able to um, find that. And that was probably about 15, 20 minutes ago, so it should be there. Okay. Um, All right. For pacing purposes, so normally what I, and I actually kind of pre-cut and made some stuff for you guys. So when I am introducing, they come in and I have, I made a little, a little guy here because I was bad and didn't bring my little whiteboard home. There's just a little on, oh. on there. Mm -hmm. right, can you see that real good? Yeah. Okay, so I do that on my board. And it just says, this is the LED. This is what a simple circuit looks like. I put these little annotations, so fold positive with positive. I like to put a little heart around the two positives and say that they're a match made in heaven. And the kids like that and crack up so that I feel good. And, uh, and so after I do that, I show them a little video. Um, I show them the Chibatronics, just simple circuit video. Um, and then... I pass out their templates because a good template is always important, especially when starting. Otherwise, chaos will ensue. Um, and so I pre-cut my little, my little tape from this big guy, which is awesome because you know one strip it cuts out, and you get three of these. So I pre-cut these, and I take my little LEDs and I cut them one by one, so just little guys, and I cut one off for each person, and. Uh, and we go through the process of discussing fold techniques. So what is a good fold technique? And I make little laminated printouts, which I will actually link in for you guys so you can link. But it's just images of you want to go the opposite direction that you're trying to go. So you'll pull it the opposite way, pull it down, and then fold it back over. Um, and so normally I do that simple circuit with them. It takes them around two minutes. The video that I recorded of my one student um, teaching another random poor student who I grabbed out of the hallway and said, don't you want to learn to make a circuit today? <laughs> and so um, I think that only took about two minutes. And so normally the hardest part is making sure they understand um, the tape. So whenever I pass out, you know, the tape's on their desk, I always tell them it's, you know, it's like saran wrap. So you want to pull a little at a time, otherwise things are going to go real haywire, real fast. Yeah. Um, so normally that's, I break it down that way and it works really nicely in the sense the kids get the visual. We've talked about strategies and then we've talked about how a circuit ultimately works. So um, you teach them how to do the circuit, they're building it. Now does everybody, do all the students automatically uh, have success when they're building it or what happens? I love that question because um, for the most part, you know, you'll have a couple kids that they're like, it won't light up. And the person next to them will be like, oh, well, you probably need to push that down. Or the LEDs go in the wrong way. It's the opposite way of the shape. And she told you, positive loves positive. And, uh, and so normally after the first one, after that, um, you'll have a couple kids who need some troubleshooting assistance. But after that, they love the troubleshooting process. And they love helping each other with it. So today, that video that I just showed you guys, or the image with the chair, um, she, she just sat there, and this young woman, just she was over there annotating his circuit, and he was just eating it up. Okay, well, why does it go there? Can you tell me why? And so once, once that simple circuit happened, my experience was they were completely invested in the troubleshooting process, 
and they were completely invested in trusting one another in a way that I had never quite seen. You um, said you said something too that it seems to make PBLs move faster because the children are engaging and interacting with with each other in a faster than they would have uh, in a maybe a, a few week um, uh, PBL. Um, and then you were also mentioning the moment that their LED goes off, something happens, and you were talking about wouldn't it be wonderful to try to capture that. And I said, I want to kind of get let you go and explain, you know, that experience for the students. Right. Well, and I think, um, and I guess, okay, so the first time I taught circuits, so I talked to David, and of course he taught me all of these miraculous things that I didn't know because <laughs> I was still I was still playing with my little slides, you know, like, oh my gosh, David, it blinks. And he was like, I know, it's it's science. Um, and so um, <laughs> my first teaching, and I was like, I should probably start with adults. They seem more patient. So I pulled a couple of my coworkers in, and I wanted to teach them. Um, and our, our media specialist who had started at Makerspace was like, yeah, I want to learn this. And um, after teaching them, I saw these 30, 40-year-old women just jumping up like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think I would be able to do it, not on the first try, you know, where the LEDs loose, and they push it down, and they're like, oh, oh, it does work. And it's that you just you can't capture it fast enough. You want to so quickly. And I had a similar experience right before, um, it was right after I did Frankenstein with um, my friend that I teach with, Liz, and mm -hmm. she was like, Kate, I, I can't ever do this. Like, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you bring this in the classroom. I don't know how you made them do it and like it and write about it. That's great. Um, I, don't, I don't understand. And I was like, just come over to my house. We'll order some pizza. We'll make some circuits. And she, man, she was over there making it, and her cuff went flying when it lit up. She's jumping up. Oh, my gosh. And that's, it's, the reaction I see in adults is the same I see in children. Mm -hmm. The only difference, I think, is they feel attached to the process. So I see adults leave, and they're holding their circuit for dear life. Like, oh, no, what if I can never make this happen again? Whereas um, I was asking kids for their Francofact books. And I found that, oh, no, I gave it to a friend because they really liked it. And so they were like, Miss Hodges, I could do it again. I did it once. You know, and that was so interesting to me. Just, you know, kids who I don't return things on Google Classroom, and they are irate. You know, but their circuit, no, oh, they can do it again. And so, so I think that's yeah. interesting. So what I'm kind of wondering is, how much more guidance do you give them after they've made their first circuit? What do you, you know, like when they're doing the this next project for with Animal Farm, when do you, like, how much guidance or facilitation? Like, when do you know to back off or? I keep think with that them? they tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a lingerer because first year <laughs> teacher, right? Last year, so I'm like, what are you doing? Don't break the tape. <laughs> you know, they're like, Miss Hodges, it's tape. It's going to be fine. Uh, it's sticky, it, you know. And, uh, and so I'm over there just on top of them. They made their first one. They're like, we're fine. We made the first one. And I'm like, well, you know, those LEDs, you don't want to break them. And they're like, back off. You know, it's, I think they tell you very clearly. Um, and, you, and you see it in, in what they're willing to do and try. So today when um, the young woman that I was working with, her circuit, she started, and now I'm accustomed to this after doing this with kids for the first time, it made me panicky. They, they grab their tape and they just yank it off. They're like, no, it doesn't need to be there. I was wrong. And they just grab it and they rip it. And, that's, and it's totally fine. That's normal to them. It's tape. It's fine. It's paper. It's, you know, it'll work out. The problem is it's not connected. Right. right. And so that's so simple to them. It's not connected. It doesn't matter how many LEDs I need them to do. It doesn't matter how big it is. It's very simple. If it's not right, just remove it. And so I think a lot of it is I know we as teachers, we love being like that facilitator that's right there and we're ready. But sometimes I think, um, and I know for me last year, I wanted to have, I wanted to be this little area of knowledge, right? This, I'm the curator of knowledge and you should come to me. And really that's <laughs> the opposite of what we're really supposed to be doing, right? Once we don't want to be control freaks. And so I think that, for me, the best moment was realizing I could trust them to be those captains of knowledge and that all I had to do was let them walk in the doorstep and then everything was 
it it was perfect. Um, and they did things that, and initially when I designed Frankenstein, I didn't, outside of the first circuit, I didn't want to give them a lot of guidance, which was very hard for me, but it was part of, Victor Frankenstein didn't have guidance. So this, but I think for Animal Farm, I feel very confident giving them the one circuit and then just rotating around and being a member of the process with them. Um, towards the end, I really enjoyed sitting down and making circuits with them mm -hmm. and going around and sharing that with them. And I think they enjoyed that and seeing that I could get, you know, down there with them and do what they were doing. So I want to ask you, uh, like, a, the shift that you saw in your students. You, you, I'm using your word, uh, a shift. Yes. Kind of a, uh, see if we can get that. And then I was uh, wondering, David, if it would be good to go through some of her visuals of, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, think? yeah, I think that'd be great. Uh, okay. Go there, and then we can give a sense for the listeners of what okay. the steps are, Kate, that you've designed for people in relation to awesome. the L2P thing. Okay. And then we'll segue over to Molly and Anna Marie and the other template. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So um, as far as my, and I think actually this is a great time to show my L2P because this is my shift. This is, uh, this is one example of my shift. Uh, Frankenstein was full of them. But this is just a, a minor one that I, I've had students just obviously, I'm sure is all of our veteran teachers do, but second year teachers. So I'm really excited when kids come back this year, right? And they're like, hey, your class was so awesome. And I'm like, oh, you're back by choice. That's wonderful. Um, so I had my original samples for L2P. And uh, they were like, we can do better. We can, we can make this better. And so I'm going to take this opportunity to show you three different students kind of collaborated on this. And I mean from the, um, from the letter kind of to uh, coloring the drawing and the circuits. I'm trying to get it because I have it on this magnet and I'm struggling. But um, this, and this is going to be the time, guys. Okay, there we go. There I saw something there. blinking. Yeah, it's because it's on this magnet that I'm trying to hold up for you. And there it went. Uh, I'm going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, <laughs> it's going to take a moment, but we're going to. There we go. Okay, so oh. there's the under of it. Okay. So we're going with the appeals, right? So ethos for expert, right? Logos for logic. So um, three different kids worked on this parallel that were a part of my Frank Effect. They are aides for me now. So I was on my way to a plan meet, and, uh, and they were like, Miss Hodges, please. And I was like, are you sure you still know how to do this? Because me being sometimes a control freak. And they were like, of course we know how. Go away. And so I went, I went to my play meet, and I came back to just this beautiful parallel circuit, which I was very proud of. And then they wrote this nice little letter. And actually, um, this letter was written by my friend Liz, one of her student aides that really, um, really enjoyed her class and so he wrote all about how she was an amazing teacher because she cared about who the students were and um, and that she created these really innovative activities and so I was like this is a perfect letter to go on the letter to the president so um, actually and I'll show you guys I have this really awesome artwork that my sister um, did and I'm going to try and stick it on here for you so you can kind of see what it looks like all lit up. Oh, and of course, there goes my... I thought this was going to be such a good idea with the magnet. This is what I get. So, there we go. So, a little, right? So, and then they can annotate her. So, initially when I was designing this, I wanted it to be an outline. But it kind of ended up being their final draft. So, because it's so beautiful, how can it not be their final draft? Um, which is awesome. Um, but I think, kind of in a roundabout way to go back to your, your shift, I think the shift is that, um, kind of like I said last time, anything that makes kids want to learn is amazing. Right. Anything. Um, and, and a lot of, I think what we do, we wrap it up in this magic, right? And it's this really, hopefully, deep-seated, meaningful, um, concept that extends so far beyond content or anything, right? Because our job is not only to turn out 
um, amazing readers, write, writers, thinkers, speakers, like great world citizens. Like what are you going to bring to our world? What are you going to contribute? And I believe that them working together on the circuits, they talk to people they've never talked to before. They learn to trust each other, build relationships with one another, um, believe that they can contribute value and that they have knowledge beyond what they, the scope of they even imagined. And so I guess that's like the huge, um, the huge shift. Okay. So Molly has something that she wants to ask you. She has a really um, good line of thought. So Molly? Yeah, I just had a question. I was thinking about while you were talking, Kate, about the, um, the idea of responsibility that you had in the Frank Effect project. Like, and, it, you know, just from what little I've listened to and when I've looked at your stuff, looking at how you know, Victor Frankenstein explored his responsibility level and then how they transferred that to their real-world projects. And really, there's sort of a way you could transfer it all the way through. And I just wondered how maybe you could help facilitate connections with that to the letters to the next president because there's this idea of fitness that is being discussed in debates between the two candidates, who is more fit um, who is more responsible in the long run, who can manage the kind of responsibility that's necessary, and if you sort of connect that back to Animal Farm, you know, there is a pretty huge gender gap in the novel and how women are portrayed or female characters are portrayed, and they really are kind of expendable and seen as not fit for being leaders. And so, like, that seems like that could be a really cool way to explore something social, and I just wondered if there's a way that you could connect those so that your school can sort of capitalize on mm -hmm. what's happened across both of these projects. I think that's really, really interesting, especially because I wanted to follow the um, project with kind of a reflection on, we, we feel like we have this power when we write the letter to the president, right? And that's what we want. We want kids to take this and really create something meaningful. So um, what we were going to do is do a blog afterwards where it was like your final sell and tying it back to Animal Farm. So now you did your letter to the president and how are you going to take advice from Animal Farm? So don't be like Squealer, right? Don't go and change our rules and not do what you said, Mr. President or Mrs. President, because Mm -hmm. We know. We read Animal Farm. We're informed. And so I think it would be a really interesting dynamic, too, to have them explore um, the characters through that lens and how mm -hmm. it would, would it shift, would it shape, and why did Orwell make the choices that he did, and, uh, and how is that kind of being played out in the political scope that we're seeing right now mm -hmm. and played upon, right, all of these, these roles. And I love that you brought that up because also in the Frank Effect, I saw a huge shift in the attitudes of my female students mm -hmm. and how they saw themselves and I, I might have told you guys last time so I apologize if I'm being redundant but um, I had a little girl who chronically she skipped my class and when she was there she just wasn't very engaged she had a lot going on sweet girl very smart she's not very engaged and once we started the Frank Effect she she stopped skipping and then on the last day when we were lighting up our final symbol and it was talking to her, um, she heard from across the room another girl say, because um, I had seen she had a little boy putting together a circuit, and I was like, why are you doing that? And she said, girls aren't good at this stuff. And the other girl stood up, walked across the room and said, it's one thing for you to say you're not good at this stuff, but I'm really good at this stuff. And I didn't think I'd be, but I am. And honestly, we could make more money in this. And I thought that was a very, you know, like, wow, whoa, you know, I could barely get her to show up to my class two weeks ago. And so I think that there's something, especially with circuits, um, and we are pulling in articles about kind of the gender gap within mm -hmm. engineering and, you know, what, why, why, and how, how can we empower you? How can we empower you and cultivate you to who you're meant to be, you know? You know Kate, I wonder if it has something to do with, as, as a woman, growing up, not having been exposed to things like this this much, I would say, we have put ourselves in our own um, spot away from even ever thinking, like, like you said, that we could do this. But I'm wondering 
if it's now we've conquered the male realm. You know, like we're doing something that the boys did. You know, we got to go to Boy Scout Jubilee as the boys did. And we're just as good. Yeah. I don't know if there's that uh, triumph uh, of being able to, well, like holding a circular saw or, you know, being able to be, to participate. So, so do you um, want to go ahead and show that PowerPoint that shows some beautiful images of what uh, a teacher could utilize uh, in her classroom, his or her classroom, uh, and, you know, give them some ideas. And, of course, we're linked to these um, resources. Absolutely. I apologize because I'm a like, super detailed person, so it is kind of like <laughs> 15 or 16 slides. Sorry. Um, but it is mostly like really big uh, pictures, and I won't drag you through the muck on each one, but I'm really excited to share um, some of the really cool stuff that's in here, especially because two amazing artists dedicated their time to creating, um, I believe, templates that kids will feel. Um, I think they're inclusive enough that kids will be able to, as we add, find something that they feel a likeness with mm -hmm. and that since they're coloring it, I think it's very important that it feels like them, right? It represents who they feel they are, right? So with that being said, here are some mm -hmm. of them and we are updating them. So and we wanted... And this is, they made fun of me and said I had to put my weird little restroom looking man up there that I had on mine. They were like, shame on you. Give those to children. We will make inclusive templates. And I was like, okay, that sounds wonderful. Um, so, so, and then I do have some of the, um, and mine initially, so the one that I show that's here, this is actually just like cardstock. So the templates, I linked in um, a bunch somewhere down here, right here. So, and I tried to give a lot of variations so that it's very important to me that when the kids are going through this process, every piece of it feels like them, right? It represents mm -hmm. who they feel they are. Um, and, and so there are a lot of options in there. So I'm going to kind of go back because I know I'm, I'm jumping everywhere because I get excited and I just go everywhere. <laughs> so, so you start here, right? So um, you're printing out your main template. This is what your little person's going to go on your circuit and your letter itself. So you're just going to print one of those, whether it's on cardstock or not, and then just cut along the shape. So then these are the three appeals. I have a lot of templates linked in at the bottom again so kids can pick what they prefer. Um, and what they feel like represents who they are. Um, and then all our little people that I just showed you. And ideally to me, kids would go through and they would color these and decorate these the way they would like. Um, and my kids are going to have the option to also create their own if they feel like none of these little guys and girls, you know, represent who they feel they need on their circuit. So oh, that's yeah. a nice template there. That's good. I'm glad you think that, Janine. I do. I, really I do. The lines restroom here. guy, he's, he's, he's beautiful. <laughs> You've got to have a library to show uh, teachers and students what it could possibly look like because they don't always come uh, have their own idea, and there's, that re reduces some of the hesitation they might have in, in jumping in. So thank you, Kate. and David, are we ready to hand yeah. it over to you? Okay. That'd be great. We'll do that. And, okay. um Thanks so much, Kate. It's really it's interesting to see, and what's fun to to listen to your project, Kate, and to think about that in terms of the way you're developing character and the multimodal stuff that you're doing. Um, and you know, I like I mentioned, I was at a I was I did the USPTO session in July, but in June I had the pleasure of being with Anna Marie and and uh, Molly, and we were teasing out what would we do for L2P, and we we're thinking about a foldable template, and so um, I developed one for the USPTO, and I shared it with Molly and Anna Marie. And um, this is a very different approach on documentation, and we've got a version of it here, and I'm going to quickly walk through it. Uh, but before I get to that, and we, I want to comment, we've got 45, we've got 15 minutes left before 5. So we'll touch on this, and maybe what we'll do, if I can rope you guys in on the, on the, on the 9th, we might follow up and do another recap on it, because I think Anna Marie and Molly, you guys will be um, sort of further along in your practice and where you're going, and probably have a little few more things to share. But I'm going to go really quickly through a couple of key topics to kind of guide us and use the time well. The first question for you guys, 
is can you describe quickly, and I may cut you off just so we move ahead, the, your kids, your age group, and their facility for doing this kind of work? Because I think it's useful to get a setting for where you're at because I think the kids in Oak Hills are a different category and we can compare that as we go. But it'd be good to get a baseline of where your kids are and then we'll look at the template and then we'll talk a little bit about what that template encourages or offers as affordances. So Anna Marie and Molly, if you guys want to unmute and talk briefly about your kids and their readiness, willingness, interest in doing this kind of integration work. That'd be good to go as a baseline. We'll do that quickly. Okay? Sure. Okay. I'll go first and then I can pass it off, Anna Marie. Um, we work in a traditional high school setting, um, and where we are in Waxahachie has um, a lot of classrooms that are set up pretty traditionally with desks, and um, and we actually both have tables in our room, so we've sort of tried to shift that paradigm a little bit to be a little bit more collaborative, but definitely um, there is obviously a mindset shift that um, trying to help facilitate with students that are coming in from traditional learning. Having been in a PBL background, both of us, we know what it's like when you're in like the vacuum of everybody has design thinking and no, understands driving, can move through the phases of a project pretty seamlessly and immediately start brainstorming. And we have to really do a lot more on the front end to kind of cultivate that kind of thinking in the beginning and engage them or we can even introduce some of these types of projects and with my sophomore because they're set and so that is kind of tricky um, I think she teaches Anna Marie do you want to add a little bit about your situation Absolutely. So um, in my classrooms, I, we collaborate a lot, and that is, a new, that is a new thought pattern for them to work together as a team. And so, like, we've been in school two days now, and I've spent these two days um, giving them opportunities to work as groups. And so that's been a real cool thing because uh, we're, we're just creating the environment. That's what I'm doing right now is creating the environment. And these students... They're not used to having a voice. They're used to a sit and get type climate. And so um, already I can see that they're uh, like, hey, there's something different about this. And so they're very receptive. And I've spent time talking about um, the, the template and the letters to the next president and what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, they're really excited because, you mean, someone actually listens to us and they really care about that. So um, I, we are um, up against students that, you know, they have to work. Um, it, it's not a choice. They have to work. And so things that we're doing might seem kind of, um, I mean, it's just different. School is different when they're in our class. And so um, it's a real cool place to be because we're able to just kind of build that community and see where they're going with it. And they're really excited. Like we're starting off with research right now. And the students are actually excited about it because we're throwing in this letters to the president element to it. So um, they're they're very receptive, whereas they used to not be. Very good. Um, I just scared my. Thank you for that. I just shared my screen. Can you guys see uh, what looks like a Twitter feed? Yes. Oh, yeah. um, I wanted to jump in in the next section to give folks a little overview of what these templates look like. Um, this is a threefold template. You can see the front cover here. You can see the circuit panel here. This is what the interior looks like. It's 11 by 17. It's meant to be annotated. Each panel represents a, kind, a, a, a specific activity. Here's an image from a gallery walk that unfolded. Um, and this here is a... I'm not going to worry about the... Um, I'm not going to worry about the volume, but you can see people working. These are educators working with the template. Um, and the thing I like a lot about this is that it's a basically a, it's like a play space and a construction space and students finish an artifact uh, on this template itself. From here I'm going to jump briefly to the actual layout itself. Uh, this is, let's see, where we go? Here's the, fr here's the front page. Reduce the view a little bit. Um, here's the front page with a sticky note exercise for panel one. Uh, we have an abstraction laddering section, and this is a really great example of how we've used the writing process to drive these activities. Molly and Anna Marie uh, helped craft this for writing. 
And then we have a clarity complexity matrix, which uh, Molly and Anna Marie can share more about in terms of how they organize that as an actual sort of writing rubric. We've got a kind of storyboard space. Uh, we have a circuit template where you build a circuit and you fold it over and back and use it to illustrate either this front panel or this storyboard. And on the back, you actually create your finished letter. And this can be a draft. It can be a format uh, that you insert for the printout. And you have a, finally a call to action. So I'm going to unshare now and go back to Molly and Anna Marie. Um, the, oh, there's my unsharing. Let's stop sharing here. So the, the thing that's interesting about this template is that every panel represents an activity. These activities are modeled after design strategies, whether it's sticky notes, the abstraction laddering, the matrix work. Um, and in that sense, there's a lot of scaffolding and a lot of new instructional strategies and new ways of teaching and learning that go into this. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about that as a way to approach what you're going to do with this in your classroom? Because I think that's the key, and we want to revisit this as you explore it. So thoughts on that? Um, I'll go first. We're not sitting together this week, so we have to like make eye contact or something so we know who goes. But um, I have my little thing with me, and um, I mean, I really like. And actually, let me back up. One of the things I think with students and with if teachers are trying this or they use the template, you know, all of the components in the template really could be split up and used in different ways and sort of scaffolded in as like this is a practice that we want to have so um, like for example the the clarity complexity matrix um, or the abstraction laddering I don't know how easy that is to see but um, like you could take those and use them in a different place like you could use the the clarity complexity matrix in class discussion so you ask a kid to you know, make a claim or you're having a debate and you want them to pitch their argument and so then you they could rate each other on their level of complexity and clarity which is part of how our, our state rubric um, tests persuasive writing and so there's components of that that you could link them together. The abstraction laddering you could also use with other types of writing or presenting or brainstorming, you know, the sticky note activities. So I feel like you kind of have to like have these activities where they're participating with this stuff and using it and then as you move forward into the project that you're sort of associating with the letters to the next president which you know I kind of have in my master plan this fall then when they see this they'll be like oh this is all stuff we already know how to use and I think when you're not naturally a design thinker or that's not embedded in the way that your curriculum is designed or the way that even your school system is running that you have to you have to preview that before you do the activities that actually lead you to the template. And so, and I like that all of those temp template pieces could be pulled apart and used in these other places, that it's not just a one-shot deal. I really like that about it. Right. It's a good idea. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Anna Marie, I have a, the, uh, you work with seniors, right, Anna Marie? And the, yes, I do. And um, are the kids, uh, are, so far, you're two days in, but the opportunity for them to publish uh, to publish in a public way on the Letters to the President website, Kate's got blogging, and it's a, I think it's a Google school, so they're used to a lot of interaction in terms of publication and sharing. Is that something your kids are used to? How are they thinking about the idea of actually sharing in a real, authentic way their own work? Is that something that's come up, or how do you anticipate getting that into the mix? Well, they're not used to it because in um, in our area, people are scared to death of students having control of devices. So what we're doing is is um, I'm showing them how that can be used for educational purposes, and I'm getting them comfortable with it. And um, it's really been an aha moment for them to see that today um, we we're talking about social issues because we're we're going to use the template to do our research paper. We're starting seniors at the beginning of the year, and so so today we're talking about social issues and we're looking how media influences or drives social issues in our world today. So, you know, they're, they're just getting used to using the phone and they're looking at Twitter feeds and everything and then they're going to be able to use those when we're working on this project now where they've not had that comfort level. So, you know, we Molly and I are having to uh, spend time, 
sharing with other teachers and everything that hey this is something that's good it's not uh, it does not have to be a bad thing and we're teaching our students you know digital responsibility and and stuff like that so that's going along with doing the uh, the project and the writing and stuff that we're doing so we're doing it at the same time but they're very receptive of it and I've not had my students be distracted at all they're they're not playing games and they're not um, you know they're they're not texting anything because I've I'm showing them an appropriate way to use their devices. That's great. That's really great. Um, it's. I have a feeling that it's going to be really useful to have a do a do a sort of a, a coda or a part four to this series later in the fall after the election, and we can see what you all have done. Um, please document the heck out of what you're up to, um, for sure, because I think the lessons learned and the the stuff you'll be able to share and what you come out of this with is going to be hugely valuable in terms of where this goes. Hugely. Um, the, I really appreciate you all being willing to go with this. Um, for this this link, you can download these 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 templates. Come in a series, uh, meaning there are four different um, storyboard panels you can pick. This one, if you can see it, is a call out. Sorry, can it, uh, I don't know if you can see that there. It's kind of expressed like a call out. Um, there are four different ways to do it. You can download all four. You can download one of them. Uh, the links are par are on the web pages and will be shared out. So we want to make sure that you have access to those, that if you're up for uh, exploring Kate's template or using that as a springboard, please download and take a look at what she's got. That stuff all is up there on Google Drive, and it's shareable. And uh, th these are PDFs that are shareable. So please um, be sure to download these things. Reach out to us on Twitter. Connect with us. We'd love to figure out what you're doing, if there's any way we can give you feedback or learn from you all as you explore this work. It's really... Um, it's exciting to see what happens when kids craft stories um, and use fabrication to tell their stories and do their sense making. So it's really great. So thanks so much. We're kind of coming to the end here. It's 4.58. So do you have any other last thoughts? Have we missed anything right now? We've tried to touch base on a couple of the projects, give people listening a chance to hear from the educator leaders who are doing this work. Um, other thoughts from folks on the call, on the, on the Hangout right now? Anything else? Uh, we can, yeah, I'm seeing that we've got a few questions from Twitter. If we want to share those, we can go for them. We've got a few minutes. Happy to do it. Let's do it. There we go. Unique advantages. So the question is, what are some unique advantages to using paper circuitry to tackle civic issues, such as in the context of L2P? And a second question, how does this medium lend itself to helping students speak back to those in power or build voice? Um, I'll let the experts take a run at those. We've got, we, those of us on the call can see these things in the chat run, so um, I'll let you all kind of take a, take, a, take a run at these. Very good questions. I'll, have, I'll say something about the first question. You know, I was actually thinking about that already. Um, I didn't say earlier that I work with the FIRST Robotics team and I was actually, we had a meeting today and we're talking about some of our upcoming projects and one of the things we want to do uh, because we're, we're trying to work on a project with our city police department and uh, we have a SWAT team that has only 11 people on it because we're in a town of 33,000 and um, and so we're, we've had kind of an ongoing relationship with them. And one of the things we want to do is bring them in more into what we're doing and actually have them come to some of our workshops. And, and because the kids are kind of taken with the paper circuitry, we want to use that as a way to introduce electronics to, um, to some of the police officers and so that when we are able to actually give them a robot that they, they have some beginner knowledge about electronics and... Um, you know, that's one way that it can be transferable is you can take these types of situations with students, whether it's a pr project in the classroom or with a club, and then bring the community in and then also send them out into the community and really build those bridges between them. And I think that puts you in touch with, you know, what's really going on in a lot of these areas. And so that's one thing that um, because we have those relationships too, we can bring them in when we're working on it in the classroom and ask them to talk about some of these issues and so I, I think there's a really nice bridge there where it has a, a sort of instructional component, but then it also has this community service, community-based communication component, which I really like about it. I'll take a. I'll I'll try to have a response to both of these and be brief about it. 
Um, I think these two projects that we're talking about, Kate's and the templates that Anna Marie and, and uh, Molly will work on, are two really interesting examples of going in two very different directions, each of which I think allow kids to have a very different uh, relationship to their own voice as, as thinkers and as individuals. And, you know, I think there's an element, um, especially in relation to Kate's project, the art making that goes in, the mm -hmm. character building, you're constructing a character which really gives shape to and gives voice to a point of view. The panel work that goes from section to section uh, builds an builds an idea, and it's 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 intentional and it uses different strategies. And the lights become an illumination factor, and it's just a way to amplify certain uh, elements of intention. And I think in a way that it allows kids to um, build an expression of their own understanding, literally. Um, so they're constructing knowledge in their minds. They're constructing it through a revisioning process that involves a public audience, whether it's on a blog. Even having a public audience, I think, gives that. And the paper circuitry, I think, is simply a way to construct a physical representation of their own mm -hmm. understanding, which I think amplifies the other through lines that we think of when we try to get kids to a place where they can authentically and personally engage with real issues. So I think it's not a substitute for anything specifically, but I, does, I do think it has the opportunity to amplify these, op these learning opportunities through personal construction. Um, and it's very, um, it's delightful, it's illuminating, it's complex, it's evocative. And I think that just serves to get people more committed to their own learning. I'll say that. Can I kind of piggyback off what you said, David, and kind of sure. just, mine is super brief. Um, I think that both of these projects in paper circuitry in general, so um, project-based learning in itself, right, so we're creating an experience and an artifact of great value. Mm -hmm. um, so the final, it has value, the process they're going through, it has value, and then sharing it with the mm -hmm. community or the world, the community in the classroom, maybe it's local, uh, maybe it's larger than that. Um, that is every piece of paper circuitry. Um, and it does what, with project-based learning, without the paper circuitry, sometimes takes me a week to accomplish, I can accomplish in a class. Um, it creates a very interesting community dynamic in your classroom um, where the experiences um, turn to belief and they transform from belief to actual power because what you are creating is something that is um, so, it can be so embedded in content, but then also the artifact that comes out is so unique that kids see the power that they have and it transforms their efficacy in a way that they believe um, that they, they can go and tackle these very large scale essential things that I think all of us are embedding in these projects. That's nicely said. I think the yeah. whole business of artifact creation um, mm -hmm. is really the goal. And audience and artifact creation, Molly started this response by describing the authentic context of robotics kids taking their work to the police department. And, you know, you simply want to have, feel, you want to feel yourself in relation to the real world. And artifact creation of any kind uh, and completing tasks. <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of ways in which uh, some of the engineering principles, we think, oh, we're going to go build something in engineering, but we have to write a paragraph in English class. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a blending here that lets kids feel in a, a sense of completion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, One last thing before we wrap up, the template, uh, the template is public. Yes, it is public. The template we're looking at, it's shared on the NextMap website. Uh, you can download our templates there. Um, I believe Kate's templates are uh, on the Google+. Plus. We'll tweet out the link for the downloads directly. Uh, Nextmap.org. Yeah, nextmap yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, I'll tweet out the downloads so you can just get all four files. Uh, we'll send it from the Nextmap uh, Twitter. And it's also on the website as a resource. So those PDFs are available. Um, and then it's just a matter of getting the, the materials you need. And those links are there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, this was great. Uh, great to get the questions. Thanks to all of you on the Hangout for your time and your work at this and all the stuff you're doing in your classrooms um, every day to kind of set up these sorts of activities, something your kids are experiencing. They're very lucky. 
Um, the next session that we're going to have is going to be on the 8th of September, and that's going to be led by Janine. I've had, had the great pleasure of working and learning from, working with and learning from Janine in terms of more complex builds. And so we're going to go kind of deeply into the possibilities of more intricate paper circuitry, um, and that will bring with it a whole backstory of other resources and other skills. But we wanted to set the context for uh, the types of constructions that you can do. And this will be more on the engineering side, uh, but it's no, it's no less expressive in terms of where Janine has gone and what she's done. So um, any last thoughts from you all on the call, on the Hangout? I'm getting a lot of all good. All right. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for listening. And uh, if you want to do catch-up, remember we have the first call, and if you're even interested in uh, bonus points, I did a background conversation with Kate and Janine, and then also with Molly and Anna Marie. So you can really get the full story. You can know uh, more about all of these folks than you've ever imagined. So feel free to check out the links. There's a lot of material there. So thanks for watching, and we look forward to part three. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.